Welcome to the Reconcile Community Church podcast. We hope and pray that the resources that will be shared on here would be a blessing to you. If you want more information or to support our church financially as we do the work in the beautiful Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio, you can find more information about that at www.reconcilecincy.org. Be blessed. Well, we're jumping back into our sermon series on Reconcile Identity. Reconcile Identity. I was telling Maya jokingly early on, if you are a note taker, this is going to be your day uh, because we uh, are going to talk about the importance of the word of God. I think that this is a very apt word for us today, especially as it seems like there is a specialized assault on the validity of the scriptures. I think it's important for us to be reminded of just how good they are for us. And so in light of that, I want us to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, you'll see the scriptures on uh, the screen above me. Uh, but again, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, starting in verse number 10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. Patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. This is Paul talking to Timothy here. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I could just preach this message by myself. I almost did. I want to say it again. Verse number 12, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue on what you have learned and firmly believe. You know who taught you. And you know from that, uh, you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We all probably heard this particular verse right here. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, verses 10 through 17. And as they would say in the old black church, let there be, uh, let the readers in the hearing of the word or however they used to say it back in the day, I can't remember it all the way. But we're thankful for the word of God. Amen. Amen. I love the Olympics. I do. Of course, many of you will probably uh, guess what my favorite of, uh, sporting uh, event would be in track and field. I mean, in the Olympics, and that would be track and field. I mean, that that's true. A former runner, once a runner, always a runner. But there is another sport that I really enjoy in the Summer Olympics, and that's gymnastics. Mm. It's a very interesting sport. Uh, being married to a former gymnast and all of these things, hearing the stories, I truly believe that outside of wrestlers, gymnasts are crazy. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I say this is because of the nature of what they do. These little bitty people, be running, flipping, jumping in the air with zero regard. They, they just throw themselves up in the air, spinning, not knowing what's up and what's down, only to land on their feet and do it again and again and again. It's fascinating to me. I am intrigued by gymnasts, the level of work and perseverance that they have to go through. But not only that, but it's this whole idea that they willingly put themselves in harm's, in, in harm's way. Always knowing that at some point they're going to land on their feet. As I continue to just listen to, you know, Kristen tell me stories about her, her glory days of, of being a gymnast or I'm watching the Summer Olympics and I'm watching Simone Biles or, or whoever may be uh, doing their routines. It struck me. How do they know where they are in space? Because as you are flipping and tumbling, that's chaotic. Up and down is no longer up and down, side and side when you're twisting is no longer side and side. How do they understand and how do they know when they made it? How do they know when to let their feet, you know, be put in position so that they can land? How do they know when to tuck their feet? 
How do they know what to do in the midst of what seems to be a chaotic situation? Well, upon further research, I learned something called anchoring. What they end up doing is before they go to take off, they lock on to a stationary object, something that won't move. And so as they're flipping, that's their point of reference. It gives them spatial awareness so that as things are flipping around and as things are going ups and downs, twists and turns, they can lock on to the stationary object and it helps them reorient themselves so that they know I flipped two times or three times or I flipped two and a half times and now it's time for me to come out so that I can land and be prepared for whatever comes their way. Gymnasts intrigue me because they willingly put themselves in harm's way why? Because it's not that they're doing it blindly, but because they have an anchor. And as I thought about this, we are all like gymnasts. We may not be physical gymnasts in a sense, but, but we all, to some degree or another, have our, found ourselves in chaotic situations. I, I would say that we may not be physical gymnasts, but we are spiritual ones. We find ourselves in some chaotic times. Yeah. Life has been a bit chaotic, if we're honest. We find ourselves spinning and flipping in this crazy way. Some random day in March of 2020 seems like it was just any ordinary day, but that was the day that, man, our lives, for many of us, started spinning out of control, where the whole world was shut down because of a pandemic. Flipping and spinning, flipping and spinning. Our lives have been twisting and turning because of two crazy elections in our country that expose just how messed up our politics really are. And how, in a lot of ways, people are crazy enough to believe that a donkey or an elephant really cares enough about us. Right. Chaos, like injustice in the streets and black folks screaming, Black Lives Matter, which seems should be assumed, but it's met with Crazy racism, mm. chaos. You see politicians screaming Christ from the rooftops, but at the same time, they're, they're talking about guns and border control as they are just as important. We watched insurrectionists literally storm a capital, all while draped in racist and anti-Semitic garb with nooses and catch this, crosses. Mm. Mm. Come on, come on. Our world is in turmoil. We are determining that the right to life uh, from the womb to the tomb is all optional at this point. And death in a lot of ways has become so commonplace that we are desensitized to it. We're up and down, twists and turns. It's not making sense. We live in an age and a time where everyone uh, is a social media influencer, but at the same time, everybody has artificial friends and are most detached and disconnected. We have more people committing suicide now than ever before, but simultaneously, we're the most connected people ever. Say it again. We find ourselves, brothers and sisters, flipping, twisting. And here's the thing, even the church has been ravaged by this. People are leaving the church because it seems old hat. They're ditching Jesus of Nazareth because the Jesus that they were sold is coming back with serious holes. Mm-hmm. Folks are seeking hope and having to find it in all of the wrong places because the church is focused on real, instead of focusing on real ministry, is dealing with infighting amongst themselves mm-hmm. and dealing with the window dressings of church instead of actually being the church. But this is our reality. And if we are not bold enough to face our reality, we would find ourselves just like a gymnast who refuses to acknowledge that they are doing some very dangerous things and that they need an anchor to get through it. And it's interesting because Paul is sharing to his protege, Timothy, about the chaos of life that is similar in a lot of ways to what we are dealing with today that they found themselves dealing with in the society back then. And he's trying to get his young pastor and protege uh, to grapple with the realities of this, of the chaos of what's happening in this life. 
that there's this real reality, that there are things that are, are going astray. And it's even finding itself within the local church, that they're finding that there are people who are coming in and they're, they're spreading false lies. There are people who are pulling people away from the faith. He's really, in a lot of ways, going through the reality that there, there's a brokenness, that there's some instability as it relates to the life of the church. And Timothy, as we've seen in all of the other letters, is insecure in some ways. He's afraid of what's taking place. He doesn't want this to be the case. He's probably like any other pastor who wanted to have a church that was always growing up and to the right. But yet and still, he found himself in the midst of a broken world and a society that's succumbing to the things of this world. And so Paul, as a loving father in the ministry, is trying to ground his son in the ministry. Timothy, everything is out of whack and it's going to get worse. That you're going to go through some stuff. That it's going it's to be a lot of chaos. There's going to be a lot of flipping. There's going to be a lot of tumbling. And he's trying to put him on game. He's trying to help him with some things. He's saying, listen, there are going to be some things that are going to happen. There are going to be hardships that are going to take place. But then he's, he gives him this encouragement. He gives him this word of encouragement. He says, but look, man, God's going to be with you. You saw how he was with me. It's going to be chaotic. You're going to be flipping. You're going to be trying to figure out what is up and down. But listen, as you are flipping and it seems chaotic and it seems like things are hitting you at all sides, it seems like the church is literally falling apart. I want you to know that it's in those moments that God is with you the most. He's there. Yeah. And if you need any, uh, if you need any uh, help remembering this, remember what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. This is what Paul is trying to give to Timothy. He's telling him in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, he's telling him, look, man, I, I had to go through this. Man, persecution is going to be a rites of passage of sorts. But don't lose hope because God is with you. And this is important for us to understand because it flies in the face of what would be considered the prosperity gospel that tells you that if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, that everything will be all right, that there will be a pie in the sky, that there will be no trials, you ain't going to be sick, you're not going to go through nothing. Because if you just had the faith, God is like a genie in a bottle or like a cosmic ATM that if you just insert your faith, then out comes all of these blessings. When this is not the grand scope and scheme of the scriptures and what they share with us. That if you are in Christ, you're going to get touched by the chaos that we all are walking in. And it may touch you closer to home. That you're going to go through suffering. But God is with you. But not only does he share with him this, but, but it's important for us to understand that we serve a God that's with us in these crazy situations. That somehow, someway, God uses the suffering. He uses the chaos that happens all around us for his glory and for our good. That we're not exempt from the chaos. Hear me, brothers and sisters. We're not exempt from the chaos, but God will use the chaos for his glory and for our good. David, the son, was sold into slavery by his brothers, and yet he ended up being the vice president of Egypt. It's a witness to us that God can deal with the chaos that we find in our lives. Job was a man who was tempted by Satan in every way. But yet still, God saw him through it. And God used even the temptations and everything that was happening his way, all of the devastation that was happening in his life, to do something in Job that Job needed. And at the end of the day, Satan did not get the last say. Why? Because God can use the chaos for our good. And Paul was reminding him, Timothy of this. That the twists and turns that we face in life are going to happen. But as Kendrick Lamar said, we're going to be all right. Because he's with us. But then we get to the crux of our text today. That was just the on-ramp for us to understand what was going on, the situational context of where we find ourselves in the midst of this passage, that this is what's happening. And it's crazy because everything that's happening to Timothy is literally happening to believers now. We find ourselves in the text. We find ourselves flipping upside down and all around, twisting around just like a gymnast. So what is our anchor? What is going to help us to understand where we are in the midst of some of life's chaos? I'm glad you asked. And I'm glad that you asked the same questions that Timothy probably had. Because Paul answers and he says, the word of God. 
is your anchor. He says, as you are flipping upside down and as chaos reigns, he says the anchor of the word of God, scriptures, are going to be what's important. And friends, we need to embrace this too. That the scriptures have a very important place in our lives and in our hearts. And if you are calling yourself a member of Reconciled Community Church, we want to be people who are in love with God and the scriptures that he's given to us. Because they're our anchor. See, the big idea of this text is that the people of Reconciled love the scriptures because they remind us of a God who loves us deeply. And I think in a time in society now that has tried to poke holes into the scriptures and there's been much doubt raised on the scriptures, I think it's important for us to remember that the scriptures are an anchor for us. So why is it important for us to run to the scriptures? Paul's going to lay this out in three movements in the text. I want to be technical here because there's going to be some things that we talk about uh, that I want to make sure that you got, that you understand, because there are going to be people who are going to try to use arguments against what I say. And I want to make sure that the scriptures are clear for you to be able to articulate it to them and, and, and for you to know, for you to have confidence in what it is that you believe. So why is it important for us to run to the scriptures? Well, first and most importantly, they guide us to our deepest need. They guide us to our deepest need. The text opens up in verse 15, and it says this. He says, and you know that from infancy you have never, that you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now read it again, verse 15, he says this. And you know from your from infancy, you know the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible for us is a love letter that's been pinned from God to humanity that is about his love towards us and his radical determination to redeem us back to himself. The Bible in and of itself is a story about God. It's a library of sorts, a library of, of 66 different books that come together and they culminate and share this one narrative. That there's a God who created humanity, who loves humanity, even when humanity doesn't love him back. And he does something about that. That's the story of the scriptures, that they are set up and that they are, that the whole premise of them is about a God who loves us and how we can find relationship with him. This is important for us to understand. Because what the text, what the scriptures are literally giving us is a roadmap to the real answers that our souls are longing for. In essence, we're, we've all been broken by our sin. And because of this, the most fundamental relationship that we need, that gives us everything that we long for, has been fractured. And we have spent our lives trying to answer what our souls long for. A relationship with God. And the scriptures are literally the breadcrumbs of source that remind us of this reality that you are deeply loved, cared for enormously, and redeemed fully through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The scriptures, as scholar Warren Wiersbe says, does not save us, but by trusting in the Jesus who is revealed in the Bible does. This is what's beautiful about the text. This is what's beautiful about the scriptures. This is why we want to be people of the scriptures, because they are reminding us of our inadequacy. They're reminding us of our, uh, of our, uh, of our, our lack of being able to save ourselves, that we find ourselves in a quite of a predicament. But yet and still, the breadcrumbs of the scriptures don't just stop at us just staying, uh, looking at and, and just um, and, and just staring at and gloom in our in our sin. But what they do is they remind us that there's a savior that came and died in our place and for our sins. That there was someone that God sent to do something about our situation, which was his son, Jesus Christ. That there was no other one who would come, but it would be Jesus Scriptures point us to this reality, and this is good because it is literally a mirror for us to remind us of where we are, but then at the same time, it reminds us of the plan of salvation, that Jesus died for us, 
Our souls, as one theologian said, has a God-sized hole in it that only Christ can fill. And the scriptures are literally the roadmap to showing us where the one is who can fill that hole in our hearts. In a society that's trying to get us to focus on self instead of the scriptures, we have to redirect our gaze on God. We have to redirect our focus on God. The story of the scriptures is not fundamentally about us, but it's about a God who loves us and moves on our behalf. You have to get this, brothers and sisters. Because when we see the scriptures as a guide for our lives, we are constantly being brought back to the cross and reminded of our utter dependence of the one who did something about our mess. We need this reflexive loop in our lives that are that's constantly reminding us, that's constantly renewing us, constantly reminding us of the love of God. That when we find ourselves burnt out from the scriptures, it could be because we're coming at it from the wrong vantage point. That if we were reminded that God did all of this, that he literally breathed these words out for you to be reminded of your need for him, you'll start to understand just how much this God of the universe loves you. Because he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to spend time doing this. But he did it. Why? Because he wants to be with you. Scriptures in and of themselves are good for us to understand. That sometimes the very thing that our souls long for the most can be found in plain sight and we may not look at it. Scriptures are there for us in this way. But if we're honest, we look at this book and we say that it's old hat. We say that, you know what, we can find what our souls long for outside of the scriptures and where they share with us. And we miss the treasure that's buried in plain sight. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but, you know, I love movies and I always talk about movies. And, uh, you know, Transformers is a really cool movie, but the story plot is essentially the same. It's essentially the same. It's amazing CGI, but the, the story plot is essentially the same. You, you can you can shoot. You, you don't got to shoot the messenger. You know, shoot the directors or whatever you want to do. Listen, the storyline is exactly the same. There's some robots called Autobots. There's some bad guys called the Decepticons. If Decepticons want to take over, they want to uh, basically put humanity under their foot. And at the same time, the Autobots are going to pair with these humans that Decepticons don't like. And the Autobots are going to say, we got to do something to fix this situation, but we're going to just, we're going to allow the humans to help us. That's essentially the plot of every single movie. But there's one particular um, movie that uh, is interesting in this franchise. It's with Mark Wahlberg. I can't think of the other lady's name. She was British. Uh, but there was this whole plot that they were trying to find this uh, special relic that would help them to unlock whatever the thing was that the evil people wanted, right? And, uh, and so the Autobots don't know where it's at, but this young girl has a dad who had this relic and he hid it. He left a clue for them in his office. And so Mark Wahlberg and, and this uh, this female lead, Coley, uh, is in this office and they're literally destroying the office. They're looking for it everywhere. They're looking in the bookcases. They're tearing up all of the maps. They're just making a mess of this office. When it hits the young, when it hits the uh, female lead, where she realizes a, 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 a vision of what took place early on, that her dad set her on his lap and he literally put the clue in this little trinket that sat on the table. The very thing that they needed to get to this relic that they needed to get to was hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And left to themselves, if she did not have that, uh, if she did not have that that vision of what took place, they would have been looking in all of the wrong places. And this is the reality of where we find ourselves as it relates to the scriptures. It's a lovely reality that God has given us exactly what our souls long for. Break crumbs back to Him through the scriptures, and at times we go looking for that. In all the wrong places. Right. But secondly, what I need you to understand is that they're trustworthy. 
Now, now this is where I need us to put on our thinking caps. I need you to take out your notes and I need you to listen carefully because this is very important. We can come to the scriptures because they're trustworthy. We're going to go into seminary a little bit, and I wanted to try to simplify this as much as possible, but I want to make sure that you understand the importance of not only what doctrine is, but why it matters. Doctrine is right thinking. It's these systems by which we can understand the scriptures, and so we need to understand it. I know it may seem like it's complex, but I'm going to make it as simple as possible, but it begs, it, it, it helps us to understand this reality, that we can come to the scriptures because they are trustworthy worthy. The text tells us that they are God-breathed. In fact, you see it in the text when it says um, all scripture, not some scripture. It says all scripture is inspired by God. Yeah. Some people would say in their translations that it is God-breathed, that it is inspired by God. Now, if the text, if the scriptures are trustworthy, and we're trying to understand or answer the question, why are they trustworthy? Then we need to understand this idea of inspiration. Why is it that these scriptures, apart from everything else, is trustworthy? Why is it that we can come to the scriptures in the script in the Bible? Why can we come to the Bible and, and trust what it says? Well, we, we need to understand who's behind the inspiration. God, the one who we believe says of himself in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, that he is true, that God is truth. If God is truth, then that means that he is trustworthy. But we know that we serve a Trinitarian God, meaning that he's three distinct persons, one God, equal in essence, different in function. And I want you to understand this because here's the deal. Jesus reminds us in John 14, verse 6, that he is truth. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, literally the Comforter, the Great Comforter, is given the moniker of truth in First John uh, chapter five, verse six. And so, of all the three, three distinct beings of God, it's claiming that they are truth and trustworthy. Then it means by nature the very words that they share will be trustworthy. Are you following me? It's philosophy, and, it, and it's necessary for us to understand this reality, that we serve a God who is of truth and who is trustworthy. Yes. And this is important because all of them are testifying to themselves that they are true. And this matters because when Jesus, the word made flesh, according to John chapter 1, tells us in John chapter 17, verse 17, about the scriptures, mm -hmm. he says this, thy word is truth. God is truth. And not only is he truth, not only is this declaration, the self-declaration that we see in the scriptures that God is truth is important for us, but we also need to understand that God is immutable. Everybody say immutable. Y'all in seminary right now. I know <laughs> it's going to get good later, but we got to set the stage. Why are the scriptures trustworthy? Because God has declared himself as truth, that he is truth, that all the state persons of the Trinity have declared that they are truth, that this is the common uh, conversation that they're having amongst themselves, that they are truth. But then at the same time, God's immutable. What does this mean? The doctrine of immutability means that God doesn't change. That's essentially what it is. You've seen it in the text that he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So follow me, the train of thought. God is truth, and he doesn't change. So that means whatever he says, it's going to come to pass. Whatever he says, it's going to come to pass. He doesn't, he's not schizophrenic. He's not changing his mind up in heaven. But it tells us that essentially, if he says it, it settles it because it will come to pass. So if he's true and he doesn't change, that leads us to believe that when he says or does something, we can believe. Mm. Now we also, on top of that, knowing that God has declared himself as true, that he uh, is immutable and he doesn't change, now let's input all of God's come through moments for you personally. Mm. where God has come through on promises, where God has done things in your life when you didn't even think or you had doubts that he would even come through. But because of who he is and what he's done, he's giving you a track record yeah. over and over and over again for you personally to show you that he is trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. This is important. I know, I know we're looking for what does this mean for us? What does this mean about the word of God being trustworthy? What does it mean about God breathing out the word of God? This is important for us to understand because this grounds us. 
When we understand who God is and his characteristics, then it makes sense that when God breathes out the word of God, that we can trust them because it's coming from a very vetted and trusted source. Come on and take it. Come on. But how God gives us the scriptures and how we can trust them is important. And I'm glad that you asked how this happens. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 21, it says this, all, above all, you know this. No prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Mm. Instead, men who men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I love it. The Holy Spirit did not ease the natural characteristics of the writers. In fact, God in his providence prepared the writers for the task of writing the scriptures, as Warren Wearsby says. He goes on to say, what we mean by biblical inspiration is that the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the Bible writers, which guaranteed that they wrote what which was accurate and trustworthy. Mm. Inspiration has to do with the recording of this communication in a way that is dependable. We got to go in a classroom to get this understanding. It's true for us to understand that we can come to the scriptures. Why? Because God inspired the writers to write the very things that we see. As Dr. Tony Evans says, when you read the Bible, you are literally reading the very words of a living God. Yes. So why does this matter? Because like I told you before, we're living in a day and a time where there's an attack on the scriptures and it's at a fever pitch. Folks are beginning to doubt the very words that God has given to us to hear from him. And, and people are doing this because it doesn't fit necessarily the societal norms of the day. And you got to hear this. People are always trying to poke holes in what the text says. And honestly, it's the old trick and scheme from the very beginning. Did God really say this? And the temptation for us is to believe the lies and the paralyzing doubt that somehow God is not who he says he is and what he says is untrue. Mm. We can't say we want to hear from God and shun his scriptures. Mm. Wow. That's like saying we love music, but we don't like to listen to said music. Mm. We can trust the scriptures because the one who inspires them. A God who loves us so much that he would go through all of this, writing 66 different books, having it written over three different continents with over 1,400 different authors who spoke over four different languages that are compiled over 1,400 years. This, this book that has literally been inspired, the Spirit literally working through all of these people for all of these years to write down the very words that God would want us to hear and say. He would do all of this not because he has to. Mm. Because he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. To speak to you. And if you ever think for one second that you are not loved or valuable by God, you all but need to just pick up your scriptures and look at the book. Mm. Mm. A God who loves you, who's gone through all of this for you. Says, I want to speak and commune with you. The primary way he's going to do that is through the scriptures. And we can trust the scriptures to be true because he's a God who's trustworthy. Yeah. If we didn't serve a God who was trustworthy, then why are we here today? Oh. It would be nothing more than just like any of us. Yeah. The beauty of our God is that he is good. That he is truth. I love it. He's also love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the most tangible ways that God can show you that he loves you is by giving us the word of God. Could it be that for many of us, we've robbed ourselves of the intimacy with God because we don't deem the scriptures to be a trustworthy source. 
Could it be that many of us are struggling to hear from God, but the reason could be because he is shouting from his word that's lost on the app on your phone mm. or in the Bible mm. underneath the stuff in your car. The text tells us over and over again, he longs to be with us, that he's constantly wanting to be with us. He says, as seek not, he gives us all of these things. And then we want to hear from him and we have the scriptures. But do we go to them? Could it be? But we're trying to figure out what our purpose and plans are. God would have for us, like we like to say. He could be shouting from the rooftops of his word. We're not opening it to engage with it. This point is particularly salient for us today. I spend a lot of time as a pastor trying to help people find a purpose. It's one of the reasons why it's one of our parts of our mission statement. That pretty much everybody at our church at some point or another has sat down in my office and my desk and countless people who are probably watching this right now who um, I've sat down with. A lot of people are trying to find what it is that God has called them to do. And they're always a little bit off put, uh, you know, kind of unsettled when I open up the scriptures and I begin to read. I just want to invite us back to hearing from God through his word. We walked through the book of Nehemiah and, and I, I did not understand why people were so blown away by what it shared. Because in it, God speaks. He shows us what he does when we walk in purpose. He shows us all of these different things. We got to open the book. We have to commune with him. You'll be surprised what's in it. The third and finally, and I'm out of your hair, they're profitable. They're profitable. The scriptures are profitable. I love what it says as the text says, it says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for what? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm reminded of this particular passage when it opens up and it starts to talk about all of the, the profitability of, of, of the word of God. It reminds me of Hebrews um, chapter of Hebrews um, chapter four, I believe it is. Where it says, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Simply put, the word is active and it's a workhorse. It's a workhorse. If you allow the scriptures to permeate your lives and you're to constantly come to the scriptures, it's going, it's going, to, come, it's going to come to pass what it's supposed to do. It's going to work. Even at times when you don't want it to work. The text tells us that it's profitable. And how is it profitable? For teaching. Instructing you in truths that you need to know. We live in the most biblically illiterate society ever. And because of this, the enemy has literally, hear me now, run roughshod on us with very simple lies that can be debunked if we but open the scriptures. There have been countless people who have walked away from the faith because of very elementary lie. Mm -hmm. And because we did not know what the scripture said, we took a hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. My God. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen somebody who's on their way out of the faith because they believed the lie that somehow, some way, them speaking these things into existence will come to pass. Mm -hmm. And when they spoke them and spoke them and spoke them and they didn't come to pass, now they have an issue because they said, well, I inserted my faith and I and I know that I can speak those things as though as if they are not. When that is simply not what the scriptures say. But in the book of Romans, that most often quoted uh, passage of scripture is talking about God being the one who can speak those things as if they were not as if they are. Yeah. And if we understand that our faith is in a God who can do those things, then it changes the game. But if we believe uh, that that scripture is directly associated to what we can do from our mouths, then we will be dreadfully and mis, uh, misunderstood when it comes to God not being our cosmic genie. He's a horrible employee. <laughs> 
but he moves on his own volition. That's why the scriptures say his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways is not our ways. He's not going to just bend because you tell him to. That's not how this works. And there are countless scriptures that we hear about this over and over and over again. But because we don't understand and because we don't spend time to understand the scriptures, we find ourselves in a real time being hoodwinked by simple lies from the enemy. My God. I'm sad to say that I have to apologize on behalf of pastors who have literally dumbed down um, the, 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 the scriptures and the importance of, of understanding and learning what the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of us have been walking for, with the Lord for a long time, and you may have been walking with the Lord for 30 years, but you might be a one-year-old Christian who's been 30 years walking in the faith. You've had 31-year birthday parties. My God. Hey, it comes up because we are not allowing the scriptures to teach us. We don't open the scriptures. And this is not a spark of shame or guilt, but it's a reality that we find ourselves in. But there is an opportunity for us to course correct. And there's this awesome opportunity that God is inviting us into today. That the scriptures are here for us to learn what it is that we should know. But then also there's rebuking. We don't like this. Reproving you for what you did wrong. Sometimes we close the book on certain passages of scripture because we know the Lord is like, that ain't right. And we like, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> Come on and take that. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna skip over these passages where 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 you know he's talking about we gotta be good stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna continue to be a workaholic. So I'm gonna just <laughs> skip over those passages. Or you know what, I ain't gonna and I'll tip God. I'm not gonna give to God. I just I just kind of pass over those particular passages of scripture. You know. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to share my faith with my neighbor. I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but you know what? Now it's about me and my comfort, so I'm going to just skip over those passages of Scripture. When the Scriptures are telling us, hey, look, you're out of bounds. That's wrong. Don't do that. A loving father or a loving parent is, is going to have, and to some degree, going to have to reprove their kids. When they step out of line, if a parent loves their kids, they are going to rebuke them at times. It doesn't mean that they don't love them. In fact, it shows it shows us that that parent actually loves them. Because if I'm allowing my little my son Brandon to just continuously punch one of his siblings in the face and I don't even address it, that's not me saying that I love him. That's saying that I don't care about what he's doing, and I don't care about him. But when I rebuke him and when I course correct him, it's for his own good. You see, the scriptures pull us out of our mire and muck. They serve as a built-in accountability from God himself to those who follow. God sets the boundaries of what is good and what is bad. And within those boundaries, there's freedom everlasting. But the enemy would much rather you play outside of the lines. But if we're not in the scriptures, we won't know where the boundaries are. So you teach, you rebuke, but then there's correction. Showing you what is right. Just as a parent points out that you messed up, they're also supposed to show you the correct course of action so that you can get back right. And this is what the scriptures do. Look, don't be sleeping outside of marriage. Like, don't do that. But if you want to engage in that, get married. That's a correction that we see in the scriptures. And the scriptures offer this wonderful guide for us to be led by God through this life in the right way, in line with what God wants for us. We have to understand and get to a place where we see that correction is not a bad thing because we got to remember who's the one correcting us and why he's correcting us because he loves us. But then lastly, training and righteousness. I love this. Uh, as one scholar put, it's guiding you to approach life as God intended it to be led. Guiding you to approach life as God intended it to be lived. It's like that onboarding that you always knew you needed. You ever started a job and you needed to be onboarded and you've ever had a bad onboarding experience? You left out and saying, I don't know how I'm supposed to actually do my job in this new situation. My God. 
we've all in, in I mean, the simplest way for us to understand this being uh, trained in righteousness, that's that's essentially what this means. Literally, it's the best on boarding for you to be a kingdom recipient and a kingdom ambassador is for us to sit under the word of God. That is literally going to give us everything that we need. Or as one pastor, one uh, theologian said, it's going to keep us in line for us to live the way that God has intended us to live. The power of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures mm. are a guide, a training post, the greatest onboarding that you could ever have. Wow. Why is this necessary? Because the scriptures, if gone to regularly and allowed to do what they are intended to do, will result in this. What does the text say? That you will be complete, equipped for every good work. Many of us are searching for our purpose, and God has given us all these specific things he wants us to do in the kingdom, but we must be prepared for the work ahead. And the scriptures provide us with the equipping necessary for us to navigate the work that he has for us. Scriptures are not saying that you're going to become sinless, like you're going to be perfect that if you just sit in the word of God. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying you will be complete. You will be complete and you'll be furnished. I like how it says you will be, you will be, you will be complete and you will be furnished. This idea of complete literally means that you'll be fitted for uh, the work that God has for you, <clears throat> which means that if we allow the scriptures to do the work in us, you are like a tailor-made suit for the, the purpose and destiny that God will have for you. You will have all of the necessary things that are that's good, that's, that's needed for you to walk in your purpose, that you will be cut, that you will be tailor-made. The scriptures are literally going to give you, it's going to complete this in you. What does this look like? It looks like a tailored suit that will match up perfectly and align with the destiny that God has for you. Sadly, many of us are navigating this life in zoot suits, <laughs> trying to figure out why we not prepare for the destiny that God has for us. Because what God is requiring of you is in a European cut suit. And your suit is off. Oh my God. Come on. Many of y'all don't even know what a zoot suit is. I need you to go ahead and Google it because I know there's somebody online. I know y'all are here, but there's somebody online like a zoot suit. Google it. And I have 10 buttons and big puppy legs. And God is like, that's not the attire. It's not the to navigate in this place where I'm, I'm trying to take you. So I'm going to let you keep walking by, but we ain't going to let you in to where I want you to be until you allow the scriptures to do the work to customize that suit. Mm, so that you're good. able to do the very thing that I called you to. The scriptures play an important role in your life. They are workhorses, like I told you. But you're equipped or translated, furnished with every good work. The scriptures give us the tools necessary to get the job done. This is all given to us because of God. And he wants us to be intimately involved with him. He gives you everything you need. Every tool that is necessary for you to get the job done, he gives to you in the scriptures. He's training you. In righteousness, he's saying, look, so that you may be ready. So when that door opens, when that move happens, if you but spend time with me in the word, I'll give you the tools so that when you are like a carpenter and you're about to begin to create whatever that workmanship and that poem may be, that masterpiece, you won't have to go looking for the tools that you need. They'll already be supplied and already be on your belt buckle. This isn't any ordinary book. It's not inspired by any ordinary man. But it's inspired by a God who loves you. Why do we come to the scriptures, brothers and sisters? We come to the scriptures because God gave them to us. And he loves us so much that not only did he send Jesus to come and die in our place and for our sins to redeem us, he gave us his word so that we can hear from him regularly, so that he can lead and guide us in this life, and to give us the very things that is necessary for us to do the very things that he's called us to do. God loves you. 
I know there's some men who are very, very, very intentional as it relates to uh, loving their significant other. But God loves you way more than that. Yeah. He sent the son and then he gave you his word. And he's still with you today. We can't outrun this type of love. I think the reason why we, 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 we have these things in our place, the reason why we have the scriptures, why we are reminded of the cross, why we are reminded of the Holy Spirit and what he does on our behalf is to just remind us, to give us a taste, a tidbit of just how much God loves us. The intentionality that God has gone through to make sure that you know that he loves you is breathtaking. And so we don't come to the scriptures out of duty. We come to them out of delight. Why? Because we serve a God who loves us so much that he inspired broken people to write love letters to us to remind us of just how good he is. And so the question I leave you with today is, what would you do with your scriptures? Will you take them up on his offer? The Lord is still speaking. The primary way that he's going to speak is through his word. My prayer is that for you who are here and for those of you who are online, that you will be a lover of the word of God. Because it's a guide to the thing that our soul longs for the most, and that's Jesus. It's going to remind us of a God who is big and massive, who is great and amazing, who is awesome. It's going to give us everything that we need to navigate this life here according to the way that God wants for us. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray together. Gracious God, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this opportunity to be reminded of your goodness. Uh, we're reminded of how you have loved us so, that you've left us with the scriptures as a visible demonstration of your love towards us. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be any book that we just run to any other day, but that we would open it expecting to be able to be drawn more and more in relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to just shower us with inspiration uh, from this text. That we will leave from our time with you in the word and be refreshed and rejuvenated. Lord, I pray that you will give us clarity of thought, that you will give us direction and guidance. Everything that our souls longs for, Lord, I pray that the scriptures will shed light to the things that we need. We thank you for Jesus, who makes all of this possible, who's the word made flesh, who died in our place and for our sins, that the spirit was given on our behalf because of the work that Christ has done. But we can even understand the scriptures because of who he is and what he's done. So we thank you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.